Do you fear the zombie uprising? Are you prepared to survive what's coming? If you listen very carefully, you might just make it out alive. This is Zompocalypse Now. It is happening! It's another episode of Zompocalypse Now! Yay! Dun, dun, dun. I'm Timothy Harvey. And I'm still Dustin. And we are back for another episode of The Walking Dead. Right. And the six-year time jump, and... And how do you feel? Are, are, how do you feel tonight? Did you... Did, did... Oh, well, okay, so I think this episode was better than last week. Uh-huh. I still think last week was a pretty awful episode. I think this episode was better, but it also managed to reinforce some of the issues I had with the world that they built, that you know, this this where they are now. Uh-huh. Some of that stuff ended up getting reinforced for me, some of the things that I didn't like about why are these people acting this way and, and why isn't the world further along. None of that has gone uh-huh. away. Um, but I do feel that we got some good character development on this episode. Uh, I enjoyed, mostly I enjoyed the stuff with Daryl and Carol. <sighs> Even Henry. Uh, who, oh, who said one, fact, of, the, who I said found one out. of the dumbest things. Oh yeah, go ahead. Um, the kid who plays Henry... Is the mm-hmm. brother of the kid who played Henry, who is the brother of the kid who played Sophia. So they're all doomed. <laughs> That's a, they're all a family. They're a family, and Sophia was on uh, was on uh, Talking Dead, and that was very oh, interesting. Okay. Although she has the personality of a wet rock, so you know Aww. that was well, you know. She did. Uh, she did spend most of that season, you know, in a barn. barn. Yeah. <laughs> I really enjoyed how Henry said that he could take care of himself uh-huh. in this episode, and as soon as he said those words, I said, "No, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> you are completely incapable of taking care right. of yourself. You've established that multiple times." Well, my favorite part of that whole whole section was how Lord of the Rings it was, like. <laughs> Seriously, did did at some point um did some at some point Carol become a high elf? Because she's You texted that to me while you were watching the episode and I I was like cuz I hadn't watched the episode I I didn't get to watch the episode at the same time you did. And so when that scene came along I was like, "Oh, yeah." It's like if an orc had come over <laughs> the 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 hill, I would have been like Sure, okay. Right. Because, like, <laughs> she's got the long white hair now, and, like, she's got the green tunic, and then on top of the green tunic, her, like, her, her vest is just made of straps, it looks like. She seriously looks like if, you know, a 50-year-old Arwen had to go and, like, take Frodo to, to, to Mount Mordor, and the <laughs> stupid old Henry. Yeah, no, it was it was a very interesting. I hadn't I hadn't really registered that look with her until because I mean she's wearing the same thing she was wearing last week. Uh huh. But yeah, once the bow came out, 
and you know you texted that to me i was like oh yeah oh yeah she's she's very high elf i do wonder i do kind of wonder how long she's gonna keep the long hair well i was kind of amazed by the fact that she did she chopped away daryl's hair and yet as far as i can tell he hasn't had a haircut i mean i'm just yeah (laughs) his hair looks it's still this sort of you know mess that daryl's hair has always been yeah right and he and he (laughs) looks he just looks so bad he just looks so bad i mean yes he's been living out in the woods for six years but he just looked bad yeah well and this is this is another thing with this the six-year time jump um the fact that he's been out here this long and all these other things have been going on that apparently he didn't know about like group of the the former group of saviors that is wandering around or the whispers or all these things that he doesn't seem to have any awareness of even though he's been out here in the world for six months six years it just seems again it's 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 this kind of little detail stuff that just is like lodging in my brain and won't go away (laughs) right and the thing that that irritates me about that like if you were going to talk if we're going to talk time jump that's one of the things that that irritates me. Like, he in this episode said something along the lines of, they never found a body. People, I'm still kind of looking for him. It's been six years. You would have found him. If if he were to be, if there was a, if there was a Rick to be found, you would have found him. Yeah, but of course, the, the, I, you know, I, I was bothered less by that, him saying that, because... Daryl has always been a little bit off when it comes to human interaction. Yeah, just because you know the way the way his the way his life shaped him. Um, there's there's always been that kind of you know just he's he's not he doesn't function like a lot of the people around him, and so that didn't bother me as much as just the again you know where are these places in location you know relation to each other. How does how does all of this stuff go on, but no one seems to know about mm-hmm. it? All these things that just, you know, that just niggle at me. You know, leaving aside the thing that made me laugh out loud, like th- every time the whispers showed up and whispered. Yeah. But we could hear it. So the opening sequence with Rosita, where she's, you know, running from the whispers and she's on her own. We don't see what happened to Eugene. And she's like, there's nobody around her. You can see that there's no one around her, and yet the whispers can be heard extremely clearly. Right, exactly. And I'm thinking, <laughs> okay, if you can't see them, and they're, you can hear them whisper that loud, that's not whispering. Yeah. That's yelling hoarsely. Right, and and Sarah, <laughs> and uh, you know, I've had the, I've had time to, to read the, a review or two. And they, they, they were saying basically, um, what it was unclear whether the whispers were actually in her head, or if mm-hmm. it was, uh, if it was a a real thing that was happening. Well, later in the episode, they show up again, and they are whispering, and it's like yards and yards away. Yeah. And it's still coming through clearly. And I, okay, yes, it's a TV show, and it's meant to be dramatic and all this stuff. We, yes, okay, I know that. But at the same time, it's like, okay, 
this is going to be like the ninja zombies, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Let it go. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. It's just going to be one of those things. Oh, this episode was directed by Michael Cudlitz, yes. who played Abraham, by the way. I do know that. Uh, I had not realized that. Yes. Overall, I enjoyed the episode more. But, you know, I kept running into these things like Jesus has become king, administrator, what is it, president, whatever the role. <laughs> <laughs> whatever he's doing. He's the leader of Hilltop. Yeah. And there was just an election and everybody elected him again. And yet, apparently, he's not doing his job. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. If he's not doing his job, why did they elect him again? <laughs> because that's what people do. Well, okay. They they elect they elect they elect the ineffectual leader. Well, they did. Uh, they just stick with Gregory for a while, right? So the episode basically opens with Rosita running, and and then she blacks out. So we so so we basically have to put, how many storylines do we have? We have Michonne and the new arrivals making their way to Hilltop. Yeah. We have Carol and Henry and Daryl with their story. We have Jesus at Hilltop and Jesus and Aaron. Yeah. That's it, I think, isn't it? Yeah. So at Hilltop, Jesus is not moved into Maggie's office because he keeps treating it like Maggie's going to be back any right. day now. Even though she's been gone for quite some time. Yeah, she's run off to play with the lesbians. From what I understand, yes. Jesus seems to think that this is a temporary thing and he doesn't want to He doesn't want to make it a real thing. Right, even uh, though he was given the job by Maggie when she left and re-elected at least once. <laughs> yeah, it's... That that was a little weird to me, but I actually I think Jesus is an excellent choice to be the leader, right? Because he's always been a character who has been thoughtful. He's been, you know, he's an effective fighter. He's a reasonable person. He's tried to find the least dangerous mm-hmm. solution. Um, I think he's actually an excellent choice to be the leader. Uh, so I thought that was really good. I really enjoyed his interactions with Tara who is basically functioning kind of like his second in command or Right, yeah. She's basically she's basically vice president. Well, she's like the cricket on his shoulder for a good chunk of this episode, you know, <laughs> saying, "You should be doing your job." Uh-huh. Maybe sometime and he's like, "I don't wanna." And she's like, "Okay, look, kazoos, man. Right. Kazoos." And that that part of the story I didn't find that terribly interesting. Or needed. Like, we don't really need... Like, I'm more interested in, you know, apparently Maggie's been gone long enough for for Jesus to have been elected, like, twice. Or, you know, not elected twice, but, like, to have been, uh, to have been appointed and then elected at least once. Uh, but still... No one has got around to telling Michonne that she has left, and Michonne won't go to Hilltop because Maggie is there, and they've had some sort of falling out. But we don't know anything about that because, you know, that happened sometime in the six years, and, you know, how dare we even ask? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So this also is sort of magnified by the fact that Aaron has snuck out of Alexandria uh-huh. and Jesus sneaks out of Hilltop and they meet to spar or recreate the opening sequence to the Pink Panther movies. <laughs> where yeah. Cato attacks 
Inspector Clouseau. I thought that was really funny. The way the way he leapt was hilarious. That was like oh, I know that whole bit was just I, I really really I thought it was fun and it was you know I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, but it raises the question: Where are these two settlements mm-hmm. that these two guys can like both sneak out and go do this thing multiple times? Apparently. And no one has said, where's Aaron? Where did Jesus go? They've been gone for like days because apparently there's a significant distance between these places. Right. So again, it's the Walking Dead's space-time connections are all screwed up. Conveniently, because they're doing this thing, when Tara shoots up a flare, I'm sorry, when Rosita shoots up a flare, they see it. And they're able to take her back to Hilltop, where she reveals, the walkers are talking, the walkers are talking. Yeah. Which they're not, of course, but they don't know that yet. And she had to leave Eugene behind at a barn. And they're like, what barn? (laughs) I love that part. But they're like, what barn? And she's like, just the barn. And he's like, we'll find it. Well, but again, I'm concerned here because the Walking Dead's track records of hunting for people who have been lost during zombie attacks is really poor. And so, if the end of the season Eugene shows up as a zombie, I'm no, gonna be I'm, they're, they're gonna they're absolutely <laughs> gonna find him next week. Oh, probably. I, I saw the I saw the preview, so I know they find him next week. Yeah, probably. No, what I'm saying, I I saw it. I saw them all together. Probably. It's not a probably. It's a real thing. It's happening. It's, it's, I I saw it happen. Sure you did, Dustin. Sure you did. Stop it. <laughs> It happened. <laughs> Until the rest of them arrive at Hilltop. That's kind of the Hilltop story. Yeah. Hill, Hilltop plus Aaron and Rosita. Right. And Aaron, by the way, seems to be really, really comfortable fighting with his artificial arm. I liked his art. Did you notice, like, it's, I liked the way it was built. It's like, it's, it's at his, you know, it's got a piston at his elbow so where it can kind of move. But his, did you notice that his fingers are like clawed? Um, I kept waiting for him to pull a shotgun over his shoulder and say, this is my boomstick. Oh, so you weren't paying attention. This is basically the artificial arm. Uh, slash artificial hand from the Evil Dead. Well, I thought it was really cool looking. No, it is really cool looking. But like I said, it just—I mean, it's. I thought I thought that whole sequence again was really really fun. And if the rest of the show was as much fun as his and Jesus's fight, mm-hmm. it'd be like a whole brand new TV show. But it's not. So, so about this trip with Michonne and the new people, I I am so not on board with the new angry bitter Michonne. Yeah. I just do not like it. I just do not like what they've done with their character. I, I realize they're going to, at some point that we're going to get the explanation for this, but I just don't like it. I, she just, I, I, I had the same problems with that character this week as I did with last week, uh-huh. which is she just, she's acting so unpleasant and she made some really, really bad mistakes. Actually, she and, the new people made some really dumb mistakes. Right. Um, so when one has a musical instrument that one wants to protect, one does not sneak out in the middle of the night. These people are really bad about sneaking out in the middle of the night. This is a bad thing for them to be doing. Right. Because this, the guy, um, 
oh, what's his name? Uh, Luke. Luke is this guy's name. He's the music teacher for, uh, who was introduced last week. And he sneaks out in the middle of the night, and he is rummaging in this thing, and Michonne thinks he's going for a weapon because she's confiscated all their weapons. Which was smart. Honestly, I like that. That's not a bad idea, considering that she is taking them. Like, what's she going to do? Take these, you know... Here, I, I want you to take in these people. They're all armed... And I don't trust them enough to keep them in Alexandria. Have fun! Like, it was really smart of her to take the weapons away. I, that Her taking away the weapons didn't bother me. Let me, back, let me backtrack a sec. They're on their way and to Alexandria, but they're taking a little detour to the shipping container that they used right. for shelter, which is where everything went wrong, which is what they were fleeing from when mm-hmm. Judith found them. And they lost one of their friends there. And there's this story where we're trying to uh, humanize Magna, mm-hmm. who is the lady who tried to who snuck snuck up to Michonne's window with a knife. Always good. And so you hear the story about this this the guy who who they lost, who because Magna really hated one of his shirts, he wore it all the time. It, it does it does go some way to making her a somewhat sympathetic character. They, I overall liked what they did with the character development of the new people on this episode. I did too. I thought I thought that uh, that they were really like I, I got a good sense, especially when they all got their weapons back. That was when you you saw yeah. them like, oh, they're a they're a, a cohesive team. Yeah, but this is also one of those 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 moments where I thought Michonne was kind of being. Just not smart at all because she waited so long to give them back their weapons when they are surrounded Mm -hmm. by walkers. And it's like, okay, Michonne, Michonne, Michonne. And they're like, could we have our weapons, please? And she's like, no. And she's like, they're like, could we have our weapons, please? She's like, no. She's like, seriously. You're about to die. Stop. She's like, oh, fine, whatever. And But yeah, their whole sequence uh, where they actually did fight and they did fight as a unit, that was really cool. You know. Yeah. These guys, I mean, this is a fairly large group of people to introduce to the show all at once. And th- I think this is one of the more successful mm. additions. I'm I'm enjoying these characters because they have this sort of, it's a family-like atmosphere. Uh, or t- they're, they are a cohesive group. Yeah. And we've gotten so used to seeing our group of people and bringing in these folks as a, as an already existing group of people who i mean how many of them knew sign language before yeah they had a deaf character as part of their group probably not as many people as seemed to know sign language in this group <laughs> exactly you know which i thought which i which i thought was really cool they all learned sign language to to uh to so that they could communicate now i my first thought though when seeing the slingshots as weapons um, I don't doubt that you could actually kill someone with a slingshot. I mean, there's a classic biblical story about David and the certain... <laughs> yeah, that's what I was about to say. There's a whole Bible story about it. Right. But I was a little... I, my concern is those are headshots, and they're moving targets. And I, I guess, I mean, if you had... But if you had, you know, what, six, eight years to practice? Yeah. And you're still alive at this point? You know what? Maybe you could get really, really good with a slingshot. So, okay, I'm, I'm, I can buy that. Mm-hmm. I liked that scene where they were fighting. Now, before they get to the, they get to the, they get to the shipping container, 
and it's just totaled. I mean, they're like, she's like, the zombies that attacked you did all this? And they're like, no, this must have been another, you know, must have been a larger herd that came along. I suspect it's going to be a little bit more, where that'll tie into the whisperers again. Uh. Basically, they're like, okay, it's going to get dark. We have to find a place to stay for the night. Michonne's not going to go on with them right. to Hilltop. She's, you know, I have my reasons. And her reasons are dumb. <laughs> like, I don't know what's going on with, the, like, the they with them deciding to do this. Like, I'm going to go. We have to go to Hilltop, and I've got to take you there. But not really, because I'm not actually going to go with you. And also, um don't want to give you your weapons and it was just it was a lot michonne had a lot of opinions tonight and not a lot of them were great it's it's really hard for me to get my head around this character compared to the michonne that we saw before the time jump and yes right obviously something happened but it's just so hard to for a show that needs needs hope in a desperate kind of way to have one of the most hopeful characters become, you know, she's, she's just turned into to the angry, she's turned into the angry Rick version of Michonne, and I don't like it. You know, a lot of people have said that, like, we don't need, we don't need another Rick. Yeah, so it's just weird. So they go and find a place to sleep for the night, and that's where uh, Luke goes out, and apparently he either, they either stashed some of his musical instruments in this building... Or they found it. I'm not entirely... I think he stashed it there because it's something that he picked up earlier. And I, I, I didn't quite understand how that worked. I, I don't know if I looked away from the screen at some point that I missed the connection there. But Michonne finds him doing this and she thinks he's going for a weapon. And instead of going, what do you have there? And him saying, I have a violin. And her going, why do you have a violin? And him explaining his completely inaccurate Neanderthal theory. No, that's not what she does. She, you know, she ends up slashing it, and it ruins a ruins a perfectly beautiful violin that he claims is a Stradivarius, which then leads to this story where everyone kind of is reminiscing about how they found it, and again we get the sense of family from these guys. And then he talks about how music is the thing that made it makes us human, and this is how we defeated the Neanderthals by creating a society. And joining together, and by the way, this is not what scientists believe about how we how we how that happened. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's a cute story, and and maybe he believes it. Well, I think that that's kind of what your I I inferred was that this is his theory. Like he's he's decided this is what happened. <laughs> It's a nice story, and, and there's it, again, it's it's all part of humanizing these characters mm-hmm. to Michonne, apparently, because everyone else is going, these are just people, okay? And you know, Michonne's like, grr, and they're like, we have we have stories about about being a family, and she's like, grr. Right. The next day, they encounter this this herd of zombies, and one of them turns out to be their dead friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, wearing the terrible shirt, right? So, so this this scene. On one hand, it was really effective. It showed how much they were affected by seeing their their friend as a walker, right? On the other hand, it's like, have you guys not seen this before? I mean, it's been what eight nine years since the apocalypse. 
are, I, I realize he mattered to you, right? And I don't want to diminish Barney Easter, but this isn't new to them, right? We have to, um, in my in my imagination, like I think we have to consider it like um, this group. Let's imagine this group. It would be like uh, Glenn being eaten by walkers. You know? Okay, fair enough. Because these people, like, they love him. And this is the group that's been together. And that, you remember, that's, remember when we had that whole conversation about Negan, where it was like, if in, in, in the universe where this show was about Negan from the very beginning, right? we watched him... Uh, you know, we would be like, you know, why are these people trying to kill our guys? You know? Yeah, no, it just, I don't know, it just seemed, it seemed like a very dramatic scene that really worked to kind of, again, help humanize these characters and make them sympathetic in the eyes of the audience. Mm-hmm. But them all kind of freezing there just seemed a little, especially in the the level of danger they were all in. Right. Um, and then Michonne, fairly gently stabs him in the head. I mean, in a way, it was almost this kind of kind thing she did. Mm -hmm. Where she didn't, you know, she didn't go do her usual thing of just hack its head off. You know, she just sort of came up quietly behind it and put it out of its misery. I liked that. And I actually kind of liked that. I did too. Um, But then... After they've gotten away from the walker, she's like, okay, I can't go on to Hilltop because of Maggie. Because of reasons. <laughs> and, Sid- and Sadiq looks at her and goes, oh, yeah, so Maggie's not there anymore? And she's like, what? <laughs> oh, yeah. I love that, like, that apparently everyone, like, okay, so I my what I've gathered from this is that really the issue is Alexandria. And maybe the the issue is Michonne. The reason that Alexandria is is separated from from Kingdom and Hilltop because they talked about in this episode. Everybody wants to have this festival at the Kingdom, and it's basically basically Alexandria that either isn't doesn't want to do it or is. Uh, is the stickler point again? I don't. I just don't like what they're doing with Michonne here, and it just seems it just seems awkward as mm-hmm. hell. And I think I think it also plays into that whole six year time jump. This doesn't make any sense. How everyone seems to know this stuff except Michonne, mm-hmm. which means you know, as head of security for Alexandria, she's kind of doing a crappy job, right? So I mean, she's just she's just. This is, hi there. This is our pet grouchy person, mm-hmm. and we have to have at least one. It's it's the law. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently. But I just you know the the strength of Michonne as a character. I, I kind of think think they're really squandering mm. it here. Um, so you know, hopefully we'll get the the real Michonne back, or the reason that uh, she's acting the way that she's acting. Because I want to know if they've got a reason. And, you know, at this point, I feel like 
the characters, especially, uh, or the actors, especially the ones that they really want to keep, Melissa McBride, uh, Denai Guerrera, and, uh, and, uh, Norman Reedus, they probably have a pretty good, uh, like, say in what happens with their characters, you know? One would hope. Like, they're not going to be like, Michonne, you're going to be a bitch for no reason. Ain't nobody going to know why. And and she's going to be like, well, I need the paycheck. <laughs> you know. <laughs> That's true. She's got that Marvel money coming yeah. in. She's probably going to be okay. Yeah, exactly. I'm just really concerned that the explanation is... I, I just don't want us to get to the explanation and, and be going, well, that's stupid. And I'm afraid that it's going to be... Well, that's stupid. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. Tim, we don't have I'm it gonna, yet. I'm gonna have to uh, to um, tell you it's it's gonna be stupid. We're gonna be like, what? <laughs> that's why. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I'm. Yeah, you're right. So they. Everybody gets their weapons back for the big fight scene, and they have their whole discussion and things. And then Michonne's like, okay, I can't go on. Um, go on without me. Uh, and Sadiq says, you're being a, you know, Maggie's not there anymore. And Michonne has her, oh, no. And then two writers from Hilltop, who are dressed like writers from the kingdom, because you're right, it actually kind of feeds into the whole Alexandria is the problem. Because it looks like the kingdom and Hilltop are mm-hmm. trading fashion tips. And they're like, so we were actually coming to Alexandria. And she's like, why? And it's well, we found Rosita. And she's like, okay, I guess I'm going to Hilltop. So, okay. So the writers go on to, to let Alexandria. everybody know that everybody's okay, yeah. Right. And Michonne and, and company go on to Hilltop, where they are welcomed basically with open arms. Yeah. And Jesus is like, come on in, strangers. Come, join our community. And, oh, hey, Michonne, where have you been? And she's like, I don't have good reasons. And he's like, well, come on in anyway. (laughs) Uh, Oh, by the way, one of the the new people, I can't remember which one it was. Is it the... Oh, right, the deaf one. She sees something in the woods, and it's probably one of the whisperers. But then she can't see it again, so she said, everyone notices her looking out there, and like, "What's going on?" And she's like, "Ah, it's nothing. It's something." Yeah, it's always something. So let's see. That covers all the stuff with Michonne and Hilltop, right? Right. And yeah, pretty okay. much, yeah, Michonne and Hilltop, and oh, oh, except for uh, oh, and I guess we're gonna move on to to Daryl and and Carol and them uh, because I want right. to talk about the X on his back, right? Which Michonne has one of those. Michonne, too. yeah, Michonne has an X. So that's that's got to be part of the story. I I I would suspect because economy of storytelling. That whatever it is that dealt with Maggie probably has to do with the X's on their backs. Probably. And the whole why Michonne doesn't like strangers. I bet it all ties together. Oh yeah, probably. It's it's I'm very interested now. 
Yeah. And the exes. Carol and Henry have connected with Daryl. And Daryl takes them to his camp, which is just sort of, you know, he's got traps set up around. So basically the walkers can't come and get in in the night. He has a dog Um, named Dog. Of course. What else would Daryl name a dog? (laughs) And he's having a great time out in the woods. Apparently, except that, you know, he's he's retreated into himself, and he's separated himself from everyone else, and all it takes is the advice of a teenage boy to turn his life around, mm-hmm. which sounds really weird. Uh, but, so so here's all this stuff, and the barking dog, and all these things, and all I could think is, God, he's making a lot of noise. Yeah. Out in the woods with the zombies. Okay. Sure, why not? You gotta sometimes you gotta just just forget that the world is in the apocalypse, I guess. I guess. So apparently he's not eating well, although as far as we can tell he doesn't look malnourished at all. Well he's um, eating some pretty gross shit. He's got himself a a a, a rabbit a snake stew going on. That was that was Pretty awful to see. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's at least he's feeding the dog. You know, Carol says, "When, when was the last time you ate?" True. The dog ate yesterday. And he's like, "Yeah, the dog." Ate. <laughs> I love that dog ate yesterday. So they're, you know, he's he's making do. Although, again, yes, he spent the last six years searching for Rick's body. Um, apparently, by living in the woods, I'm not sure how that works. But uh, okay, sure. So. He gets a haircut from Carol, mm-hmm. and which I thought was a a kind of a sweet scene. And yet again, right. Daryl ended up with a haircut that looks like Daryl's haircut. Yeah. So okay, sure. Well, I've always, I've never really had a lot of excitement for the choices that they've made when it comes to Daryl's hair. like like, you know it it feels to me like they made they were like we we want daryl to be like you know i don't know like they wanted him to be some sort of badass like in the woods kind of dude and and so somehow they decided that meant dirty Mm -hmm. and i'm not a fan of that i don't think that that's the case well, at some point he's also be... shaving, because yeah. that's not six years of facial hair. There's only so much you can do with aging characters when you make the kind of time jump thing. I mean, Enid, yeah. for example, looks exactly the same. Enid is, is stuck in a in a time bubble, and she will never get any older, apparently. Uh, because six well, years I mean, later, she's she... apparently the doctor now. Yeah, but she's still she's... a teenage girl as a doctor. I mean, she's the Doogie Howser of the, the post-apocalypse. But... Yeah. So they have this kind of, you know, these these awkward interactions with Daryl where Carol's like, I want you to take Henry off to Hilltop. And he's like, uh, why would I do that? <laughs> yeah, and Henry's like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> <laughs> that was not that was not what I expected to be happening. <laughs> and she's like, quiet, you. You run off chasing after large groups of people with a stick, you idiot child. Uh, yeah. Right. And this, of course, is where he says, I can take care of myself. <laughs> it's like, no. 
No, you really can't. Yeah. So Daryl goes out to check. Daryl and the dog. No, wait. The dog goes. Well, the out dog. To... The dog had a. The dog got caught in some sort of snare. Like yeah. it got caught in one of the snares. Because apparently Daryl, Daryl has trained the dog to go check, the traps. Uh huh. I'm not sure how you do that, but okay, sure, why not? And the dog gets trapped, and he's surrounded by walkers. And so they have to go save the dog. And Daryl, like, <laughs> like he is, like he does, is like, no, I'll take care of it. And, and Henry's like, let me help you, let me help you. He's like, no. Uh, but he ends up getting, like, pretty, you know, caught in some traps himself. And, uh, and, has, and, and, and Henry has to step in to save him. Which then it turns out that Carol was lurking in the background with her bow being all elf. And I guess they weren't in any danger anyway because she was there to protect them. Right. Well, I think, yeah. I mean, that's, I liked that. I liked that, you know, she, but she knew that they needed that, like, bonding. You know, she just knew that they needed it. So she allowed them the space to get what they needed i guess well because then they end up back sitting on a log by the fire talking about you know they're they're basically having awkward guy talk mm-hmm. where daryl's like i don't really need anybody and <laughs> and, and henry's like really is that what we're going with you don't need anybody <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's like oh by the way my mom misses you and she worries about you apparently for good reason and daryl's like well I don't. I don't mean to worry her or nothing. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know she was. She was missing me. Shut up, Daryl. They had this little bonding moment, which is both a little sweet and a little awkward, and it felt a little writerly. You know, it felt. I don't know. It just. It didn't feel as. Na- I, I, it, it wasn't bad. And there were a couple of good lines in it, but it felt a little bit, Mm -hmm. I don't know, a little too structured to feel very natural. Uh, Even as much as these two people, you know, Teenage Boy and then Daryl, which in some respects is kind of like talking to a teenage boy. Uh, Right. It it was, it it, it worked, but it was just kind of like, eh, eh, okay, it's a little clunky, but it still worked. So Daryl's like, all right, I shall rejoin society. And... Thank you, thank you for helping me decide to rejoin the the world of the living, child. So they make their way to Hilltop, so they can re- then they they reunite with everybody, and everyone's like, "Oh my God, Daryl, where have you been for six years?" And he's like, "Well, you know, hanging out." And then they're like, "Oh no, Eugene is trapped in a barn," and everyone's like, "We must go look for Eugene." Right. And... And I was watching this final bit where they're all driving away looking for Eugene and the music's playing and the aerial shot is happening. And I was kind of like, wait, the the mid-season finale is next week. But this feels like the end, of, like this feels like a, a season break mm-hmm. right here where they're, you know, it's the big dramatic swoop up into the sky as they drive away and the music swells. And I was kind of like, huh, okay, sure, whatever. Right. Well, I think that you're also, like, I think that, that what you're supposed to get from this is we're getting the band back together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
yeah, it it uh, it worked for that. I mean, it's like I said, this episode is better than last week. I still have, you know, again, some of the same problems persist, but overall, and I th- it was it, it was the character moments, really. Right. Um, it was getting to know this new group of people, and you know, Michonne thawing a little bit, and you know, the whole Jesus Aaron thing and the Jesus Terra stuff. I mean, I, I liked those quieter little moments this week. Yeah, you know, it it goes away it goes away to solving some of the the really egregious problems of last week. Not all of them, though. Not all of them. There's still problems here. But, I don't know. I mean, it's better. I liked it better. <laughs> I don't have a really big rant to go on. Yeah, well, that's good. We don't. I don't like it when you rant. I always... <laughs> I always feel like I've missed something. I'm not smart when you rant. Well, but remember, I'm, I'm, I'm more of a nitpicker than yeah. you are. So, and some of the stuff, when it gets lodged in my head, it won't get out of there. Like the whole gasoline thing. I mean, how many years have I been talking about the damn gasoline thing? Right, true. You know. You really would not let that go. I know. I know. I don't know why. But see, at least the show addressed it. Eventually. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, it's better. I mean, it's... um, I don't think we're seeing the numbers. The viewing numbers haven't really picked up much. No. I think we're still looking about the same kind of thing. Um, yeah, I, I like I, I mean, now my new thing is to harp on the fact that you know the show really needs to be wrapping itself up. <laughs> it's you know like <laughs> let's let's not talk about. I mean, as as awesome as it is for me to hear that that uh, that Daryl and Carol have and and maybe Michonne have been offered like multi-year contracts to stay on the show how about how about we start trying to think of ways to close it out so that we don't have to worry about this show just petering on into nothing maybe maybe yeah yeah it's i don't know they've they've got they've got some work to do to give it more than another another year yeah you know, the rest of the season and maybe another year to wrap things up. Um, they've got a lot of work to do, I think, to keep it from, to keep yeah. it fresh. I mean, it's just, uh, and they're not helping by making, you know, Michonne angry girl right. Rick. And, and you know, she deserves Honestly, better. like that, we've heard, I've heard that, like, you know, I've heard, I heard that from, uh, I09, I think, said that too. It's like, why are they trying to force michonne to be rick and i wonder if it's if it has something to do with maybe maybe they'll ad- i hope they address it i hope that they we get some sort of i ha- thought i had to be strong to carry on his his whatchamacallit <laughs> his his legacy of of not necessarily grand decisions yeah <laughs> i needed <laughs> if you if we were gonna we need to continue to make terrible decisions bad choices we need more bad choices right yeah i don't i don't well unfortunately like you said it's you know hoping that it's going to be a really really good reason is probably a little much to hope for yeah but i know it's better i I enjoyed it more me too i've i think that this was a much better episode than than what we had gotten so we what we got last week and i liked last week yeah well you know you're still wrong um (laughs) thanks (laughs) 
you're welcome. I'm here to help. So, <laughs> well, thank you guys for listening to another episode of Apocalypse Now. Um, we always appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter. You can leave us a comment. You can leave us uh, questions and ratings and all that kind of fun stuff on iTunes and podcast.com. We would love to have you do that because we love having feedback. Yes, we like to and know. We hope you... I want to know what you think. Yeah. Well, and, and having interaction with our audience is always a good thing, too. Some of, the, some of the most fun that Dustin and I have had, that you and I have had, with this show has been when we used to go to Planet Comic Con here in town, and you and I would have a panel. Right. And we'd have audience interactions. We have a, I think we have a couple of those up on on the, our podcast. I think you can, if you scroll back through there, we actually have a few live episodes where we recorded those. Yeah, I think there's some up there. And we had a lot of fun doing that because the audience got involved. And, of course, you know, so feedback is always cool. And we'd love to hear from you guys. But, um, you know, again, you can find us there and follow us and do all that cool stuff. And thank you, Dustin, as always. Thank you, Tim. And thank you guys again for listening to Zompocalypse Now. We'll be back with more next week. Zompocalypse Now is recorded and produced by Dustin Adair and Timothy Harvey for Just Some Guy Productions. All rights reserved.